cool. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really love having you. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor, thank you for coming. Um, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong. We're just glad that you're here. Um, and I'm continuing on our Giants Must Fall series, and uh, it's, we're looking at the, the Exodus story, so Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt um, into the Promised Land, and looking at how that's a symbol for our lives, where we were once captives, and Jesus came to set us free, and now we get to live a life where we are headed to the promised land. Now, it might sound like we're preaching destination preaching, like you, you're headed towards a, uh, um, a specific career or a specific style of living, but that's not the case. We're actually teaching our hearts to trust God, number one, and to inherit parts of heaven, because the promised land really is eternity. So it's not a place that we're going to get to now, but we get to live as people that inherit parts of heaven on earth. So we get to uh, believe kingdom mindset. We get to live like um, we're set free from certain things and take faith steps that are far beyond our own capabilities and um, take risks that God just uh, sets into and just explodes and becomes a great thing. Um, so that's what we're really going to be looking at over this series, and I, I trust that the, the past few weeks have been incredible. I'll pull some stuff from here and there, and um, look at some stuff that we get to impact in our lives today. Is that cool? Uh, so if you've been coming to Olive Tree for a while, you know that there are certain things that I say before I, I, I preach, and certain things that you're allowed to say when I preach. Um, so number one, you're allowed to say, preach it. <laughs> number two, you're allowed to say, amen. And number three, you're allowed to say, ride that bus. Okay. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I know I said this as a joke, but really, it, here's the heart behind it, is that it, that stuff is not really for me. It's actually for you. Because when you say amen, what you're saying is, let it be so with me. Because that's what amen means. You're pro- prophesying over your life. You're prophesying over your circumstance that even though you don't see the outcome, you still believe that God is good and he's going to do something. So you're actually decla- declaring some goodness um, into your situation or into your life when you say, preach it or ride that bus or amen. You're saying, let it be so with me. Is, is that okay? Amen. So you get to hear my heart behind why I do that stuff every single time I preach. Um, but I'm going to be looking at uh, a part of the Exodus story today. And the, side, the title of my sermon is, Get It While It's Hot. Okay, get it while it's hot. Um, so I'm going to tell you a bit of a story. So when I was a kid, I'll grandparents and my aunts and our uncles, they used to make this thing called the umbot. Anybody know what that is? <laughs> One person will take it. Um, so that's actually Zulu beer. Um, but the thing about Zulu beer is that it's not actually beer when it's made. It's called Isjingi before it becomes umbot. So Isjingi is probably one of the healthiest things that you could ever eat. And I'm not even lying. When, so they cook it in this like big boiky pot, like the big black ones, 25 liter or something like that, and when it's fully cooked, so you use um, malted sorghum, it's called mtombo in Zulu, um, and you mix it in with some maize and whatever not, and then once it's finished, once it's been cooked, we used to come up with huge bowls and dish it out, add a little bit of sugar, and it's, the, it's an incredible meal, like it's, it's beautiful. But put it in a 225-liter drum, sift out all the, the thicker particles, and leave it overnight, and it becomes something else. It becomes beer. 
So what is good for you, what is healthy, if left for too long, actually becomes poison, actually begins to hurt far more than it helps. So um, this has to be done in every single black ceremony thing, um, just because the older guys can't drink modern beer. Do with that what you will. Um, But I wonder if in our lives, we've held on to something that in the beginning was actually really good. And now, left for too long, held on to for too long, begins to hurt far more than it helps. So in a relationship with your spouse, maybe in the beginning there was open communication. You guys used to trust one another, talk. And you held on to that good thing, and then slowly but surely, the talking happens less and less. And now your, your relationship with your spouse or whatever is starting to hurt far more than it helps. And trust me, your kids feel it. Maybe at work where you had a great vision for the job that you had been given, and you held on to that, and you didn't continue pressing into what that means, and now you're just getting through your day, hoping that that five o'clock comes far sooner today. Holding on to something for too long hurts far more than it helps. And we're going to look at a story this morning from the Exodus, where the Israelites were absolutely tempted in every single way to hold on to something that had they done that would have hurt them far more than would have helped them. So here's the key point that I want you guys to look at for today or hold on to for today is that we need to fix our eyes as God to uh, (sighs) fix our eyes on God as our provider and not put our faith in his provision. So we need to keep our eyes on God as the ultimate provider, not hold on to the provision. That could be work. That could be a spouse. That could be, um, what other things are they? Things. <laughs> One of my favorite is trusting God for your kids. I love kids with all my heart. I could do this for the rest of my life. And that's work with kids. But I mean, obviously, there's a certain point where you're like, dude, that's not okay. Um, but here's why I believe in kids. Because if raised right, they could bring far greater change than we could have done in our time, in our lifetime. And maybe for you, you are trusting God for your kids, praying for them day in and day out. And now their personality is starting to uh, come out, and they're creatures now, not children. And now you're praying less. Trusting off your kids less and less. What started out as a good thing, held on to for too long, begins to hurt for more than it helps. When I look at um, Exodus chapter 16, and in verse 16, I'm going to read a little bit, and then we'll uh, unpack the story. So it goes like this. I'm sorry, Paul. Can someone please give me some water? <laughs> The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and uh, came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted. But you brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Thank you, Father Taylor. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for just that day. In this, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they are to prepare what, uh, what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of God, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it is the Lord who, who gives you the meat in the evening and all the bread in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are grumbling against... Uh, who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, uh, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of God appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, At twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. I actually don't even know what quail is. What is that? Huh? It's a bird. All right, bird meat. We used to eat pigeons when I was a kid. Okay. Pigeon meat. <laughs> that evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they, came, they said to each other, What is it? For they, they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Um, this, was, uh, this is what the Lord commanded them. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered some, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep this, at, um, is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry at them. And then we jump to verse 31. It says this The Israelites called that food manna. It was white like the coriander seed, and it tasted like honey wafers. So I want to just pick apart something about that bread, or a few things about that bread. So number one is that it was miraculous. Like if you you think about it, bread falling from heaven is miraculous. Number two is that it fell from heaven. Number three, it was there to sustain the Israelites. Now if you look into that a little bit more deeply, you actually realize there's some... A semblance or some similarities between that bread or that manna and Jesus. See, Jesus was miraculous. Everything that he did was a miracle. His life was a miracle. His birth was a miracle. Number two, Jesus left the divinity of heaven to come and walk among us, to go and die on a cross, paying a price that was never his to pay for a creation that was already his, to buy us back into connection with him. He left heaven for us. Number three, he's here to sustain us. Not just our physical body, because this thing withers and dies and um, goes, returns to the dust, as the Bible says. But just to sustain our, our spirits. 
So one thing that we can con conclude after this compiling evidence is that Jesus is our bread. And he actually refers to this himself in John chapter 6. And when I look at that quickly, uh, so this is after he'd fed, he'd fed the 5,000, walked on water, and people came to look for him because he disappeared. And they found him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And um, this is what they said to him. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on, uh, on the far shore saw that the, the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized that he, Jesus had gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed and the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that the, neither Jesus nor the disciples were there, they got into their boats and went across Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth. Um, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given you, uh, given me the seal of approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus said this to them. This is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. So hold on to that. We're going to come back to it. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the, the wilderness. The scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. How arrogant of this crowd. What they're saying is, we'll, we'll believe in you because of a miracle and not believe in you for a miracle. So what, what we're holding on to is your miraculous signs, not the fact that you are eternal life. That if we believe in you, that is all that we need to do. Whether a miracle comes or not, we still choose to believe in you. Um, and Jesus, said that, Jesus says this, I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, but my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of, of God is the one who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So after seeing all that and understanding that Jesus is our bread today, let's put ourselves in the Israelite shoes. Imagine you've been walking in the desert for, let's just say, 20 days, and you're starving, hungry, like you, you on the verge of collapse, and you get this instruction, I'm going to give you food, but don't save it. Now, you can imagine how ridiculous that sounds. Like, what if there's no food tomorrow? You're asking me to believe and trust that there'll be food tomorrow when there's material food right here in front of me right now that I could save for six, seven, eight, 35 days. So Paul mentioned something when he opened up the, the, the sermon series, that God had taken them out of Egypt, but now it's when I get Egypt out of them. See, Egypt mentality says, look after number one. Look after you. Hold on to what you can hold on to. And it's based on this lie that is fear. If you really think about fear, the only place it can exist is in your mind. 
you tell yourself that things are going to be far worse than they actually are. And the counterpart to that is faith. See, here's what God is asking him. Have faith in me. Believe in me. Believe that I will provide for you. Believe that I am the provider. Don't put your faith in my provision. See, the bread was their provision for that day. This is what you can eat for this day. But should you hold on to this for too long, it's going to hurt you far more than it helps you. So they wake up the next morning and the bread has gone stale. The bread has gone off. Now you must, you can imagine that when you wake up and the bread has gone stale, or gone off, there's a, your heart skips a beat. Oh my goodness, what are we going to eat today? You walk out your tent and there, when the dew lifts, is bread for that day. Walk out, collect it for that day and believe that God is going to provide for you the next day. So here's one thing that I also wanted to look at as well. Today's bread is for today. It'll be no good for you tomorrow. Today's revelation is for today. It'll be no good for you tomorrow. Today's word from God is for you for today. Tomorrow, it may or may not be enough to get you through the mission that God is calling you to. See, they were on a journey headed towards their promised land. And had they held on to that bread, they would have never made it. Had they just believed and stayed in that one place, so if this is the place that God brings bread, this is the only place I'm going to stay because I'm getting sustenance from this area. They would have never made it to their promised land. But here's what God is calling us to. His manna, his bread is good for this day and this day only. We need to believe in the one that he has sent for tomorrow's bread. See, we need to keep our eyes on God as our provider and not put our faith in his provision. So what Egypt mindset do we need to drum out of ourselves? Today. The first of those, I like, so I love family. I grew up with that massive family. Uh, not immediate family, obviously cousins and stuff like that. Um, but family. Maybe your family doesn't yet know who Christ is. And you have every intention to some, somewhere, somehow, get them to church. But God spoke to your word five months ago. And that's still the same word that you're holding on to for them today. It might have been good for them then, but it might not be that good for them now. Our responsibility is to do as the Israelites did. So God said to them, go and gather. So getting that word, getting that bread, getting that revelation, getting that conviction requires work. So their work was go and gather. If you stayed in your tent, you're not going to get food for the day. Go and gather. Our responsibility And Jesus outlines this beautifully. Believe in the one that he has sent. This is God speaking through Jesus himself. Believe in Jesus. Now that belief doesn't mean that you sit in a corner and just, cool, I'm just going to believe and just wait for God to do what he's going to do. That belief may require you going. That belief may require you getting on your knees and praying. That belief may require you loving them, even if it feels like they don't deserve it. That belief calls you to far greater than we could ever do by ourselves. 
That belief compels us to move because faith says, I will believe far before I ever see. So when you're trusting God for your family, believe in the one that he has sent. Or maybe at work, you're starting to lose your passion for your work. What started out as a good thing is now starting to wane on you. It's now starting to bring you down. And you need a fresh revelation, a fresh outlook into how you do what you do to the best of your ability with excellence to the glory of God where you are. Here's a solution. Believe in God. Go to him. Get what you need for that day and don't hold on to a vision or a conviction or a dream that you had six months ago. It's no good for you today. I know this might sound ominous and jeepers. I need to go work. Not at all. Your only requirement, your first requirement is to believe. God is going to do what he's going to do apart from you. But he wants to bring you on the journey. See, in the Israelite story, he did something for them. Giving them bread. And I mean, you can lavish on that and be like, okay, cool, God's going to do everything for me. But um, Ross outlined that he did something for them. But now he wants to do stuff with them. So he can do stuff in them. That's the same for us today. God did stuff for us on the cross. But now he wants to do stuff with us as we begin to build a life that gives him glory simply by believing in the one that he has sent. Or maybe in the area of pain. So Paul mentioned earlier that I'd gone through a bit of a tough start of the year. If I cry, just bear with me. Um, I've never actually shared this um, to this degree. But... uh, So my grandfather passed away about a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, And (laughs) and it hurts now. It was the first time I hated my tattoo. (laughs) I have a tattoo that says Ephesians 3.20. And um, because it kept reminding me of the goodness of God. When everything inside me didn't want to believe it. Because 10 years ago, this day, this, I mean, this year, my dad passed away. So the 17-year-old kid, you can imagine it was heartbreaking. But somehow, I took it to God. And uh, man, he was a counselor, he was a comforter. And he got me through that time of my life. But here's the catch, and here's the, the thing. Whatever God spoke to me 10 years ago, Actually, it wasn't going to be enough to get me through this today. I had to go with, to him with this. As much as I, still, as I didn't want to believe that he had something good for me or for our family, as much as it hurt, I had to. Because God's goodness far outweighs my circumstances. I had to go and get a word from God for this season in my life. 
Man, it was hard. I probably said like 10 words the whole of last week or two weeks ago. But here's what I want us to walk away with. The word manna in the original Hebrew means what is it? What is it that God is calling you to today? What is it that God is convicting you to today? What is the word that God has for you today? And I'm not being today in the literal sense of in the, in the next 24 hours. It could be a seasonal thing. It could be a yearly thing, whatever. But our responsibility today is to go to God and ask him, God, what is it that you have for me today? And they might look different for different people. There might be a conversation with God for you going in your daily devotion and just laying everything at his feet and leaving with the belief that God is going to do what he's going to do through you that day. That might be walking a journey with someone to see their full potential realized or your full potential realized, taking faith steps every single day, believing that Jesus is going to provide for you. Can we as a community not put our faith in his provision, but put our faith in him as our provider? Because if we live this life of trusting in his word, we will never grow, grow hungry again. We will never grow thirsty again. Because God isn't just concerned with sustaining our bodies. He wants to sustain our spirit. Oh, that was hard. <laughs> I want us to do something together. Um... And if you're comfortable, you can stand right now. <laughs> and we're actually going to say the Lord's Prayer. There's a sentence, a line in there that says, Give us this day our daily bread. So you can bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, and we're going to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Is this, um